You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. As we head into peak taxi season, a Vancouver man is telling a rather bizarre and disturbing story. Over the weekend, he and a friend hailed a cab in downtown Vancouver. But before the ride was even over, he was on the phone to 911. Jeff Hastings tells us why and how the taxi company is responding. It's a quick cab ride from Maine and Hastings to Granville and Davie in downtown Vancouver. We definitely went out. I mean, that was the point of it. We were trying to be responsible and not drink and drive and catch a taxi. But Friday night, that short trip became a lengthy ordeal for Rob Anderson and a friend. All was well until they had their taxi stop at Fritz European Fry House on Davie. And their driver protested. My friend got out, went across the street, and I was still sitting in the cab. He said, I'm going to teach you a lesson, and he locked the doors, and he said, I'm going to drive you back to where you came from. Friend still in the fry shop, Rob says he was trapped and being driven in the wrong direction. He dialed 911. And I had to give him a running commentary of the streets that I was passing, and uh, eventually he got pulled over by the police. The police had to put the lights on and pull him over. Eight blocks had gone by. Rob took this picture, and police took both men's stories before sending everyone on their way. As is often the case, there are multiple sides to this story. Blacktop's version of events is in disagreement with what Rob says. The whole story doesn't make sense to me. Blacktop is talking, and they're telling a different tale. Well, he did ask the person to leave. He refused to leave, and he refused to give him money. We even said, like, hey, like, don't worry about the meter slowing down. We'll tip you well. We'll even offer to buy him french fries. We said, we'll even buy you an order. Would you like some? And he was just upset that we were on Granville Street where it's busy and there's a lot of fares, and he didn't want to wait for anybody. Remember, those people were drunk. They, weren't, they were both drunk. As for the most serious aspect of the allegation, that Rob was locked inside the cab. It doesn't really make sense. Why would a driver lock somebody in? I'll be scared to lock somebody in. I don't want to have a, get assaulted by an individual. Vancouver police aren't commenting on the matter. As far as they're concerned, there was nothing criminal, just a disagreement to defuse. Jeff Hastings, Global News. IHIT is identifying the victim of a fatal shooting in Surrey on Friday night. It happened just before 9 o'clock in the 11300 block of Alpen Place. Emergency first responders found two male victims who had gunshot wounds. One of the victims was pronounced dead at the scene. The second was taken to hospital. A short distance from the shooting, a dark-colored SUV was found on fire. Today, RCMP are identifying the man who died as 27-year-old Randeep Kang of Vancouver. This was a shooting in a residential neighborhood. And like everyone else, I am appalled at the blatant disregard for the safety of the public. There are people that have information about Randy Kang's murder. I'm asking you, who have that information, to come forward and speak with us at IHIT. Several new developments tonight in a major RCMP investigation involving a North Okanagan property where human remains have been found. The search now appears to have extended to the nearby Salmon River. An officer in a wetsuit was seen today heading up a dirt road at the back of the property. Global News has also learned relatives of one of five women who've gone missing in the North Okanagan has been contacted by police. The mother of Tracy Genero says she has been asked for a blood sample for DNA testing. The 18-year-old went missing from the Vernon area back in May. In a separate investigation, Curtis Sagmoen, who lives on that property, 
that his family owns is facing six charges after allegedly pulling a gun on a sex trade worker in August. And a significant development today in the murder of a woman in northern B.C. three years ago. 42-year-old Pamela Napoleon was reported missing from the Blueberry River First Nation north of Fort St. John in July of 2014. Her body was found about a week later in a burned-out trapper's cabin in the same general area. Today, RCMP announced 42-year-old Leon Wokley, also of the Blueberry First Nation, has been arrested and charged with second-degree murder, arson and indignity to human remains. Pam was a loving daughter, sister, mother, aunt, and a friend who cared deeply about our family and community. To us, Pam was a beautiful spirit. Pam may be gone, but she'll never be forgotten. The Supreme Court of Canada is dismissing appeals today from two former RCMP officers convicted of perjury in the Robert Jakansky case. Quasi Millington and Benjamin Monty Robinson were among four Mounties charged with perjury after a public inquiry into the tasering death of Jakansky at YVR in 2007. Millington and Robinson were convicted, and today the court upheld those convictions. The family's lawyer says today's decision brings Jakansky's mother some comfort. I know that she was very anxious and she was looking forward to just having it over with. Yeah. And obviously I she's uh, happy with the result because uh, she's vested in this matter fairly heavily and uh, she has always viewed it that the, uh, that the RCMP officers were responsible for the death of her son. Millington was sentenced to 30 months in prison. Robinson was sentenced to two years less a day. Calls tonight to step up the timeline of the rebuilding of Riverview. In 2015, the province announced two new multi-million dollar facilities would be completed by 2019 on the old grounds. But Grace Key explains what's behind an emotional new appeal from the mayor of Coquitlam to hurry things up. To offer condolences to a family that lost their young son. And I don't want to do that again. In a heartfelt plea posted on Facebook, Coquitlam Mayor Richard Stewart is asking the government to reopen Riverview Hospital before another life is lost to mental illness. I renew the call. I ask. I have lots of reason for optimism. Mayor Stewart shot the three-minute video at Riverview after attending the funeral of a 24-year-old man from the Tri-Cities. He says his posting is not a criticism of the current government, but an appeal. How do we make sure that those people who want to kick their addiction, who want help uh, today, are put into a bed tonight? After its 100-year-old history, the hospital closed in 2012, but work is underway after the previous government announced plans to move three existing mental health and addictions facilities to Riverview. The NDP made a campaign promise to reopen the facility, saying the Liberals were not doing enough. We want to make sure that we establish a community of care there in the years to come that really serve the needs of people, and mental health and addictions will be an important part of that. Right now, the crisis that's before us is enormous. This isn't the first time Mayor Stewart has made an appeal regarding Riverview on Facebook. Earlier this year, he posted a video asking the government to reopen the facility in the midst of the opioid crisis. The cause is a personal one. His own daughter, though not battling addiction, has gone public with her own mental illness. And I look to the government to hurry. Grace Key, Global News. 
Following the introduction of legislation to ban big money from provincial politics, the NDP announcing today they're following suit at the local level. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. And Keith, they're looking to do this in time for the 2018 municipal elections. Yeah, and, and I think they're probably going to be able to do that, uh, Sophie. So here's the bill, 23-page bill, Bill 15, the Local Elections Campaign uh, Financing Amendment Act, a pretty big overhaul of uh, how uh, municipal elections are financed. Uh, at the provincial level, you had big money. Uh, but Selena Robinson, the housing minister today, when I asked her, what you know, is, is what was going on at the provincial level, level happening at the municipal level as well? Here's her response, and she, she actually offers a pretty big uh, number when it comes to big donations at the municipal level. On Vancouver, there was a $943,000 personal donation made to one party, and uh, you'd have to be blind to not feel or see that that was uh, potentially skewing our politics. All right, so how does it work? What about tax dollars going to parties? Because we do have party politics in uh, civic elections. Yeah, there's a big difference between what's happening at the provincial level and what's happening municipally. The NDP uh, passing a bill that will see your tax dollars fund parties like the NDP and the BC Liberals and the Green Party, but that's not going to happen at the municipal level. No tax dollars involved here, and donations are capped at $1,200 per individual, just like the provincial levels are as well. All right, thanks for that. Keith Baldry and Victoria for us. It's been a Vancouver landmark for decades, and now the Hudson's Bay is looking into selling its flagship downtown store. The department store is under a long-term lease, which means even if it were sold, it would continue to operate at the Granville location for the time being. It's believed the property could sell for as much as $900 million. Look, this is not a surprise. It's, it's the effect of whole changes in how millennials shop, and it ain't by knocking on bricks-and-mortar stores anymore. Having said that, can you still survive in today's market? Sure. Look at Nordstrom, but a very, very specific upscale market segment. People still want to put their hands on stuff and feel it and try it, but you know what? Then they'll turn around and buy it online. Well, they're a hazard that sometimes sit idle for years, polluting waterways across the country. But now boat owners who dump their derelict vessels will be subject to new penalties. Ted Chernecki has the details. The protection plan is based on years of listening to Canadians. The federal Liberals have repeatedly announced elements of its $1.5 billion Oceans Protection Plan. And today, it was to tell you that they've come up with a piece of legislation, Bill C-64, called the Wrecked, Abandoned or Hazardous Vessels Act. It will address irresponsible vessel management, including prohibiting vessel abandonment. Too little too late when it comes to some of the many abandoned vessels off BC's coast. The Vicky Lynn 2, after a lot of public outcry, was eventually towed out of Ladysmith for decommissioning. But another 100-foot abandoned wooden fishing vessel, the Anapea, today sits at the bottom of Ladysmith Harbour, having sunk there the weekend before last. In 2014, Transport Canada identified this 100-year-old boat as a vessel of concern. It's now sitting on the bottom of Ladysmith Harbour, and it is a heck of a lot more expensive to lift an old, rotten boat off the bottom of the harbour than it would have been to deal with it before it sank. If and when passed, Bill C-64 will make it illegal at a federal level to abandon a vessel. It'll strengthen responsibility through better ownership record-keeping. It'll empower Transport Canada to be proactive rather than reactive. And under the Nairobi Convention, commercial vessels must have insurance funding in place to deal with decommissioning large boats. At first glance, it doesn't seem to deal with the backlog of abandoned vessels or with pleasure craft or with the really big problem of vessel registration having fallen into such disrepair. 
In May this year, the feds announced the abandoned boats program. But with only $6.85 million over five years, and given the sheer number of derelict boats out there, it is a proverbial drop in the bucket. Ted Chernetti, Global News. Well, today we kick off Variety Week here on Global BC. We will be sharing stories about the many ways Variety, the children's charity, helps support kids with special needs. Throughout the news hour, you will see names of donors along the bottom of your screen. And we'd like to see your name there as well. So all you have to do is call 310-KIDS to make a pledge or text the word KIDS to 45678 and make a $20 donation just like that. BC's film industry is booming right now, but it's not just having an economic impact. As allegations continue to grow of sexual harassment and abuse in Hollywood, Vancouver actors are speaking out saying, me too. Their stories from the sets of Hollywood North and what they say must be done to change the culture in just over a minute. The Trump-Russia inquiry heats up. Three key aides are indicted. The allegations and where the investigation goes now. That's coming up later. And some surprising health news. For years, you've been told about the benefits of soy. But is it really all it's cracked up to be? Why the U.S. Food and Drug Administration wants to revoke a health claim it once approved. But first, one of Hollywood's most acclaimed actors is the latest performer accused of assault. House of Cards star Kevin Spacey is apologizing to actor Anthony Rapp for what Rapp says was an assault 31 years ago. Rapp says a drunken Spacey climbed on top of him in a bed when he was 14 years old, but Rapp managed to get away. Spacey says he doesn't remember the assault, but says if it's true, he's horrified by his behavior. Spacey has also confirmed a long-standing Hollywood rumor that he's gay, but his decision to come out now is also causing controversy. People on social media are noting that Coming out as gay is completely separate from addressing allegations of being a sexual predator. You could argue that coming out as gay in this particular moment might deflect attention away from the allegations against him. Netflix has since announced that this will be the final season of House of Cards, but the company claims the decision to end the series was made some time ago. Well, the sex abuse and harassment scandal that has the entertainment industry reeling has made its way north into B.C. tonight. Two women who work in Hollywood North are coming forward to talk to Global News about their experiences with harassment and the lack of action to stop it. Whenever you're ready. I've been very lucky to personally not have experienced sexual assault. I've experienced a lot of sexual harassment. Your word carries weight with the minister. I got off really lucky in my career. I haven't, I've never been raped I've been violated for sure. My first experience was while I was still in school, actually. And it was uh, a mentor and someone who I should, have, I should have looked up to. I did up until that point, abusing their position of power. You know, a young me is saying, I just got to get through this and make sure I feel professional and, and don't let him think he's going to get to sleep with me, but also try to keep this job. I remember talking to my girlfriend about it and honestly just thinking, oh, so it's real. The, the casting coach is real. I was in a, a scene with a man where we were supposed to be making out in a stall of a bathroom, and the lead character was going to walk past and just catch a glimpse of us in the stall. And the scene turned into them trying to rip off my shirt and coming in and yelling at me in Korean and pulling at me and trying to get me to reveal myself. And the poor guy who I was with was just like, are you okay? What are we going to do? Like, I was like, no, I'm not okay. This isn't okay. All of us in the community know about certain people that are out there being predators or taking advantage of their roles. And 
up until now, there's been an odd complacency about it. Something happens, everyone there sees it, and everyone kind of goes, anyway, and keeps going, you know? And if I'm that woman, and I see 50 guys just turn around and walk away, they may not be the perpetrator, but they didn't help me. All of us are guilty of watching something happen that we should have stood up for. For women in Vancouver's film industry, why do you think they've been so quiet for so long? If you uh, are trouble on a set, uh, you're probably not coming back. The headlines revealing allegations and the kind of drama you might find in one of Harvey Weinstein's films. The powerhouse executive finds himself at the center of a disturbing sex controversy. A lot of other powerful men that knew about Harvey Weinstein and they were all having a pretty good time because of Harvey Weinstein, as some of them have admitted. My fear is that it's a social media moment and then it goes away. So I think it's our responsibility to keep the dialogue going. Long-range communications are down. Resources if you've had a complaint against you of sexual harassment, that should be in a computer. That should come up whenever you go out for a job. There's a guy in Toronto who did two, two years for rape in BC. He changed his name, he moved to Ontario, he's working. No known rapists in the union. Seems pretty simple to me. Okay, whenever you're ready. Not him. Unfortunate circumstances happen where you have no control, but a lot of the times, if you understand the power of the word no and the power of yourself, you can really trust your gut to hopefully navigate to not get into these circumstances. Oh, I remember you're amazing. I'm so excited. Yay! Okay, awesome. The Union of BC Performers is hosting a forum tonight for women only, billed as a safe place for women in the industry to share their stories and concerns. Still to come, Sage's story. You're really amazing. Did you know that you're really amazing? <laughs> the little girl who proves strength is not a matter of size. And going for gold, how to get the most out of your precious metals. Hi, I'm Howard Blank with Victory Square Technologies and proud board member of Variety, the children's charity of British Columbia. On behalf of our CEO at Victory Square, Shafin Diamond Tajani, and all of our staff and team members, we're pleased to announce a matching pledge of up to $500,000 for Variety Week. For every dollar you give, we will double it. It's a wonderful way to help BC's children with special needs. Please pick up the phone, 310-KIDS, and make your pledge, or go online, www.variety.bc.ca. Thanks for giving. We've got your back. Well, as you've heard, it is Variety Week here on Global, and we are profiling some of the amazing work the children's charity does for kids with special needs. One of those kids is Sage, a seven-year-old girl who was diagnosed with cancer not once, but twice in her short life. And when she needed a little help, Variety helped Sage prove that she is stronger than everyone thought. How strong are you? <laughs> Want to show me your muscles? Every single day, in every moment, you just have this awareness of how special life is. When it's a real possibility that you could lose your child, it makes you see your life and their life in a different way. Sage was only four years old when she was admitted to hospital with stage 3 cancer. Doctors discovered a tumor that had engulfed her left kidney and a second tumor that had grown inside her heart. Doctors immediately started chemotherapy for Sage, but the cancer was stronger than the chemo. 
Sage underwent a 13-and-a-half-hour surgery where doctors removed her left kidney, stopped her heart, and scraped out the tumor. Sage used all of her strength to recover from such a massive surgery, only to learn nine months later that the cancer had returned. Quite honestly, I felt devastated. I just kept thinking to myself that, well, I need to be, I need to be positive and I need to be strong for her because she deserves that. Sage returned to the hospital for more chemo and more bed rest. But again, her tumors were too strong for the treatments, and Sage underwent a second open chest surgery. She endured months of intense radiation treatment, even specialized proton therapy in Seattle. Throughout her lengthy battle, Sage had an important message to share. She kept saying to various nurses, even when I wasn't around, she would say, I'm stronger than you think I am. And you are. I think it's true, Sage. I think you're stronger than we think you are. Sage was strong enough to fight cancer twice. But sometimes even superheroes need a little help regaining their strength. Thankfully, Variety, the children's charity, stepped in to cover the cost of physiotherapy sessions, which will help her grow stronger every day. Because of your donations, Sage has been given the support she needs to soar. Physio is really important for Sage's development in particular because she's had this time where she's grown without having the opportunity to build the strength to go along with those growing muscles and bones. Five! That was... Amazing, Sage. It's an ongoing progression of healing that takes a lot of time. And if you happen to not have the money for it as a parent, then what do you do? So I'm really thankful um, for the people who give to Variety that enable Sage to have this treatment. Because it's like, it's amazing that she can have this. And I know that it's making a big difference for her. You're really amazing. Did you know that you're really amazing? <laughs> Aww. Oh, unfortunately, Sage's fight isn't over, as a recent scan has doctors concerned. But she has shown us all what a fighter she can be, and our thoughts are with Sage and her mother right now. Sage and children just like her need your help. Call 310KIDS now or go online to make a donation to variety.bc.ca. Well, that old jewelry collecting dust in your dresser drawer could help your bottom line, but only if you are careful. Our consumer reporter Andrew is here with some tips on how to get the most out of it. Anne? Yeah, you really need to know the value of what you have. Thanks, Sophie. If you have gold jewelry or gold coins you're thinking of parting with, there are some things you should know. Don't be tempted by those ads that promise you a lot of cash for your gold until you do your homework. Remember, the price of gold changes daily, so consumers need to check the rate for the day they're selling. The weight of gold determines its value. Some companies, unfortunately, will claim the gold weighs less than it actually does. So if you have a gold piece, for example, find out the purity of that item. Purity affects pricing. While there are many businesses that will buy your gold, do your research. Be cautious. Reports estimate you may get 40 to 60 percent less than compared to a legitimate business. So get several quotes. You can make an informed decision to find out what part of your gold piece is actually pure gold, you divide the carat number by 24 and multiply by 100. So if someone's got an 18 carat 
necklace. They know that the purity of that necklace is 75% gold. So when someone weighs it and it's 10 grams, they've got seven and a half grams of pure gold. And someone's going to make them an offer, or buy it from them based on those seven and a half grams of pure. So what they're looking for is for someone to pay them a price around 75 to 80% of the gold value. What you get when you see a road show or that kind of thing is someone who's in town for a day or two and they're there to take advantage of a situation. Someone who doesn't know what they have and doesn't know necessarily what it's worth. So again, be skeptical. Just like any business you deal with, make sure it has a good reputation and always get a detailed and signed receipt for your transaction. And according to the Better Business Bureau, when it comes to antique jewelry, it might be worth more kept intact as a resale than it is for the value in recycled gold. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks for that, Ann. Donald Trump's former campaign chair turns himself in. First charges stemming from the Russia investigation and how they could lead to more. Plus, healthy skepticism about just how good soy is for your heart. Today's announcement has nothing to do with the president, has nothing to do with the president's campaign or campaign activity. Uh, the White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders distancing the Trump administration from today's bombshell indictments in the Russia investigation. Despite White House claims to, con- to the contrary, the fact that Donald Trump's former campaign manager has been arrested on several charges, including conspiracy against the United States, is part of a one-two punch that came much sooner than anyone expected. Paul Manafort, former Trump campaign chairman, is now a criminal defendant, accused of hiding millions in foreign consulting fees to avoid paying taxes and failing to register as a foreign lobbyist. Robert Mueller's prosecutors say Manafort and his business partner and right-hand man in the campaign, Rick Gates, earned more than $75 million from 2006 to 2015 lobbying for Viktor Yanukovych, the former president of Ukraine, Vladimir Putin's man in that position, but put the money in banks on island nations outside the U.S. to hide it from the government. But the indictment says nothing about Manafort's role in the Trump campaign. His lawyer angrily calls the charges ridiculous. Well, I think you all saw today that President Donald Trump was correct. There is no evidence that Mr. Manafort or the Trump campaign colluded with the Russian government. Manafort and Gates pleaded not guilty during a brief court appearance today. The judge set their bail and ordered them to remain in home detention. Legal experts say the charges could persuade both men to help with Mueller's investigation of Russian interference in the election. These defendants are looking at decades in prison. So there's a tremendous incentive for them to come to prosecutors and say, we'd like to cooperate. And at a surprise, potentially more important, we learned today that a Trump campaign volunteer advisor, George Papadopoulos, has admitted that he was in touch with Russians during the campaign, who said they had Kremlin contacts and could offer, quote, dirt on his Hillary Clinton, including thousands of emails. Prosecutors revealed today that he was arrested three months ago at Dulles Airport and has been cooperating with Mueller's investigators ever since. He pleaded guilty three weeks ago, admitting he lied to the FBI by denying that he was involved with the campaign when he communicated with the Russians, who wanted to set up a meeting between Trump and Vladimir Putin during the campaign, which never happened. Court documents say a campaign official forwarded one of his emails indicating that the campaign was aware of what he was doing. Law enforcement officials say that campaign official was Paul Manafort. 
In Health Matters tonight, if you have been eating a lot of soy products because they're good for your heart, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration says not so fast. Under new rules proposed by the FDA, companies will no longer be able to claim soy products have heart health benefits. Regulators say there's not enough scientific evidence to prove a link between soy and heart health. It's a tiny little island you probably never knew was there. He was super passionate about the outdoors and loved coming over here. How this became one man's passion project and the living legacy he leaves behind. Plus, catch controversy, the real story behind this viral World Series moment. He became the most hated man in America when this video went viral, but after the forecast, the real story behind the stolen home run ball. All right, let's check in with Christy Gordon now. A lot of people stayed up late to watch that game, Christy. Oh, yes, they definitely did. I, I mean, Twitter was just filled <laughs> with uh, uh, comments from it. I skipped past this. I wanted to show you this. This is the sunset just about 10 minutes ago. It is spectacular out there. I took a screen grab of it because I was worried that by the time you got to me, it was going to be dark. But uh, beautiful conditions. We didn't have record-breaking temperatures today. Some areas yesterday hit 22 degrees. We had a number of records yesterday. None today, but Langley hit 18 degrees. Near the water, it was a little bit cooler at 12 degrees. Incredible warmth. And one of the reasons for that warmth is that we had enough mixing that the warmer temperatures higher up, we were expecting a bit of an inversion, have been able to mix down. Uh, this was the fog on Saturday morning. Remember we were expecting more fog over the weekend? Well, because of that mixing, we, we didn't have the fog and we had the warmth instead. So it has been incredible. Tomorrow won't be quite as warm, but this upper level ridge is holding for one more day, just in time for Halloween. So dry conditions. And this is actually the first time that we've uh, been dry throughout the entire day on Halloween for a good six years. Keep in mind though, as soon as the sun sets, temperature Temperatures drop really quickly, so make sure you bundle the kids up. Uh, it may be nice during the day, but as soon as it uh, t sets, it really does cool down. So there's that big upper level ridge. As we head into our Wednesday, so right after Halloween, the temperatures drop, the rain moves in, and by Friday, we have the potential of some snow at higher elevations. We've got this big upper level low that's going to sink right down across the south coast, and that drops the freezing level. So as we start to see the moisture, some higher elevations like SFU, maybe even West plateau, uh, they'd have the possibility of seeing a few uh, flakes. We'll keep you up to date on that as we get a little closer. In the meantime, this is your tomorrow. So areas like Fort Nelson, Fort St. John, the possibility of snow in the morning, just a couple centimeters before it changes to rain. The same case in through Vailmont and down through the Columbia area. All of these areas increasing cloud with showers later on. And for the south coast, one more sunny day. We'll see a little bit more cloud tomorrow, but uh, to, and temperatures won't be as warm. 12 to 14 degrees across the lower mainland region. And that is our Halloween uh, evening. Then showers on Wednesday, rain on Thursday, and then it's Friday that we have those showers with the possibility of snow at higher elevations. And Sophie, one last day to enjoy these fall colors. Thanks to Marilyn for this beautiful weather window photo from Powell River. Um, as soon as the rain starts to push in and we start to see the wind, all of those beautiful leaves are going to come tumbling down. So make sure you get out and enjoy them tomorrow. It has been a beautiful fall. Thank you, Christy. On the surface, it looked like an outrageous example of World Series larceny and made a Houston Astros fan a baseball villain. But it turns out that wasn't the real story. 
It was the ninth inning of last night's Game 5, and Houston Astros fan Sarah Head caught a home run ball hit by the Dodgers. But as she celebrates, the guy two seats away grabs it and throws it back. Not to worry, though. That guy is actually Sarah's brother-in-law. And it turns out the only reason she was miffed is because she wanted to throw it back herself. He looked Well, the dude mad. in between them looked angry. miffed, too. That's... Um, his brother, who was Sarah's husband. Uh, ah, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess this is a plan that they had, was to throw it back if she, they got it. Yeah. <laughs> Just see, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, anyway. So. Well, when the opposing team hits the home run, you throw it back. Yeah. Oh, well, I this, see. This. He was thinking, apparently, that she was waiting too long to throw it back. Well, she barely had any time. He was clearly angry. They had just hit the home run. Mm-hmm. The do- so he wanted to do it. Right. He wanted to get out of his system. So That's pretty it's fun. quite a game. I don't buy his excuse. But then the, the Astros won anyway. So it was quite a game. Hey, the Sedins don't mind the kids getting more playing time than them. It's, it's great to see. It's great for this organization, um, for our team, too. They are playing less minutes per game than they have since 2002-2003, but as long as the Canucks win, they don't mind. Also ahead, growing tribute honoring the steward of Swishwash Island. I'm just reading your script. Uh, the Canucks are playing Dallas. The Canucks, they had the weekend off, though. You could have waited nice until I just said that. Well. But if you want to read. No, I'm just, <laughs> you I read want my shoulder. Preview. You want to get a little head, okay. So you don't, you don't care if you know what the ending is in the movie. I'm, I'm a little impatient sometimes. All right. I accept that. The uh, Canucks did have the weekend off, which you already knew because, <laughs> because you read, I read it. Your yeah. uh, that's pretty rare in hockey, but they do play tonight at home to Dallas. They won't have Brock Besser. He has a bruised foot from a shot block against Washington. He might also miss the next game against New Jersey as well. That means that Jason Megnan will play tonight. Anton Rodin was called up today from Utica. He will not play tonight. Jacob Markstrom will start in goal. The uh, Canucks have won four in a row. They are among the surprising teams so far this season. Why have they played so well? Buying in to what Travis Green is selling is a big part of it. I think they've been pretty committed in uh, our team game. Uh, you know, sticking with it even when things aren't going well. Uh, you know, there, there were times in the Ottawa game, for example, that was a good example where we didn't have a great first period. Uh, we talked about making a few adjustments after the second. The team stuck with it. Uh, I thought they started playing a quicker game and uh, got the win. And we've talked about that. We have to find ways to be harder to play against, and I thought they did that on the road. He's got a good poker face. He actually, Travis Green did win over $300,000 playing professional poker in his time. Uh, a lot this season so far has been made about the Sedin's minutes per game. At the moment, the Twins are averaging just over 14 minutes of ice time per night. We haven't seen them play that little in about 15 years, and that's not a bad thing. It means that finally the Canucks have found younger players who can take some of the minutes away from Henrik and Daniel. And two of the happiest people with that are the Sedin's themselves. It's awesome, yeah. It's, uh, we, we've been looking for this for, for, for some time now and, and uh, uh, a lot of the young guys are stepping up uh, it's, it's great to see, it's great for this organization and for our team too we're, the way we're playing right now I think uh, we have a lot of confidence uh, that we can win games and that's uh, hopefully they can, they can take us to the playoffs Hey, it's a handsome brother and two sisters 
It's a nice little. Uh, I think the. Uh, they're hurt. Someone injured? No, no, that's the way they're supposed to look. That's part of the costume. I see. That's a sloppy, lazy power play by the Islanders, which ended up in a shorthanded goal for William Carlson of Vegas. And then. Hey, Coquitlam's Matthew Barzola gets the goal there. From there, the Islanders just went nuts. Cal Clutterbuck shoots and scores. Just the second time, though, Vegas has lost this year. 6-3 win for New York. Well, you would think a scoreless draw in their home game of a two-game series with Seattle would be a disappointment for the Whitecaps. But no, they feel they accomplished their main goal, which was to not allow a goal to Seattle. Remember, a two-game series in soccer, the first tiebreaker is most away goals. So that means on Thursday, a 1-1 tie, a 2-2 tie, a 3-3 tie would give Vancouver the win in the series. Just the same, you may be wondering, why didn't the Whitecaps play with more offensive attack yesterday like they did in their playoff game against San Jose? Well, the main reason was injuries. That is why Jordy Reyna and Kristen Teixeira both came on as second-half subs. The reason they only played the last part of the game was because they weren't healthy enough to start and play the full 90. It's as simple as that, you know, and I to, I've got a very good medical team that I speak to, and I ask them the question, if they come on in five minutes, will they be able to last 85 minutes? And when they say no, I'm not a specialist. I, I take what they tell me. So that altered the strategy a bit. The Whitecaps weren't as keen to push forward and try for goals like they did against San Jose. They were happy with holding Seattle to zero, even though they got zero as well. In two-legged ties, I think that conceding at home is, is a no-no. Uh, we learned, I've learned that two years ago. So that was the mindset. Um, you know, we, we can be better going forward. We set up slightly tactically different today. And it worked. They defended for their lives. They were excellent and, and limited a very good Seattle team to a, no chances. But now Vancouver has to score in the second game on Thursday. And they face a Sounders team that'll have Clint Dempsey back from suspension. Well, I'm, to be honest, I'm not focusing in Dempsey or any individual. I, I'm just trying to reach our goal, that team goal that is getting um, for the first time in the finals. And we have to play against anybody to, to try to, to reach that goal. And, well, we just have to do it. Tiger Woods says he will play in the Heroes Challenge tournament starting on November 30th. It's his tournament. There are only 18 players in it, so it's the perfect spot to see if he's still got it. He's been off since February when his back broke down and required another surgery. He actually came back from injury last year in this same event, finished last, but he feels... He's more ready this time around. So bad news for former Vancouver College standout and current Texan Christian Covington, who is out for the rest of the year with torn biceps. It happened on the first play of the second half in that great game against the Seahawks yesterday. Went down holding his arm. He was having his best season as a pro. In seven games, he had one sack and 16 combined tackles and a forced fumble. Good guy. Too bad. And the Seahawks have acquired left tackle Dwayne Brown from Houston for defensive back Jeremy Lane and two draft picks. Seattle needs help on the O-line. Brown is a pro bowler. And the Patriots have traded backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo to San Francisco for a second rounder. That means New England needs to find a new backup for Tom Brady. How about Mr. Kaepernick? Oh. Why not? There's an idea. I never know. 
All right. Uh, it is Variety Week, as yes. we've been telling you throughout the news hour. And the children's charity couldn't do the work it does without an army of volunteers. They answer the phones. They work the offices. They help out at community events. And some know very well the challenges that these kids face firsthand. Brian, whom I had a chance to meet, is one of those amazing volunteers. It doesn't matter how much rain is falling. Nothing is going to keep this Variety volunteer from helping the kids of B.C., Brian Hirschfeld has become a fixture at Variety's head office in Burnaby. So we've got some receipts for you to do? Yeah, that's good, yes. How long have you been working here? 11 years. 11? 11 years, almost 11 years now. Then you must know everybody here. Yes, everybody. And he can prove it with yes, an impromptu guided yeah. tour. Christine? Yes, Brian. So I get, I get the sense that this place wouldn't be the same. He's got to be here. Oh, Brian's got to be here because if not, we, we as volunteers would be at a loss and I'm sure that our staff would be at a loss because Brian is willing to do anything that we ask him, basically. Brian is 70 years old with the energy level of someone much younger. He has put in 7,000 volunteering hours and it earned him the Hey Rube Award from Variety. Did you know you were going to get the award, or was it a surprise? It was a surprise. Well, we didn't tell them. How happy were you when you got it? <laughs> God, I was pretty happy. Actually, Variety is just as happy that Brian is around to help mm. them help the kids. Good work, Mrs. Brian. Seven. <laughs> Good guy. All right, kids across BC need your help. You know that. So all you have to do to help them is call 310KIDS or go online to make a donation, variety.bc.ca. And thank you in advance. Good guy. Yes. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay. Thank you, Sophie. We'll have more on the plan to ban big money donations in politics starting at the municipal level next year. We'll hear what the Vancouver mayor has to say about this. And we'll be at the Pitt Meadows City Council meeting tonight. This will be the first since David Murray, the longstanding councillor convicted of sex assault, stepped down. We'll have the reaction and how the council is moving forward. Those stories and much more coming up tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, J.D. Up next, what is Swishwash Island and who was the man who took care of it? We'll explain. It's a special tribute to a special man that will grow with time right underneath millions of international visitors to B.C. John Hua takes us to Swishwash Island in the shadow of YVR for a unique ceremony for the man who devoted the last years of his life to the Fraser River Jewel. It's a trip to one man's tiny slice of solitude, rooted in the recognition of his work. It's about picking up where Dick Loomer left off as the steward of Swishwash Island, a calling this conservationist best describes in an interview back in 2010. And I contacted them and said, who's going to look after that for you? And they said, well, we don't have anybody yet, but if you'd like to, you can be the steward of the island. You see, until his death in June, Swishwash was Loomer's labor of love for the last 15 years. He removed invasive plants, he planted new trees and kept an eye on, on this island sanctuary. Once the site of an old salmon cannery, the land donated to the Nature Conservancy of Canada, a hidden oasis that's easily overlooked. Wedged between the hustle of Vancouver International Airport and bustle of the city of Richmond. Here we go. But now 100 Douglas fir seedlings are making the trip to Swishwash 
to help Loomer's second home stand out. And these trees will help to stabilize the soil. They'll help provide a habitat for the wildlife that comes here. For Loomer's family, walking in his footsteps, a chance to see what drew him here firsthand. Something he really grew to love because he was super passionate about the outdoors and loved coming over here. Every tree being planted, a growing tribute to one man's passion for preservation. We felt it was really important to, to keep doing the work that he was doing and, and keep it in the family. And while Loomer might have enjoyed the calm of coming here all on his own. I put my kayak in, paddle over to the island, walk around the island. The true legacy of Loomer's Island is a natural treasure that will be shared and protected for generations to come. John Hua, Global News.